Welcome to Chicago's Gospel Podcast. My name is Will Pereja, and I'm here with Eric Vicker, my co-host. This is a show where we explore how the unchanging gospel of Jesus Christ mm. shapes your life in an ever-changing city. Today, I get to play the MC. Um, Eric, yes, is my co-host, but he is also partially subjected to be my guest. And I want to start off by saying something um, pretty bold to all of our listeners, whether you're part of our church or not, and it's this. Don't cherry pick your discipleship. Mm. Uh, Christianity, unlike most of American prosperity and consumerism, um, is not a smorgasbord buffet of optional spiritual delicacies. Mm. So I say all of that um, not to you know jar you awake, but to say that the the Christian faith is a package deal. Mm-hmm. To become a Christian means to be wedded to Christ and become part of His church. Amen. We get good. We're good on uh, the "I get saved" part, but not the as much about the "I'm saved into the church" part of things. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, our church is uh, a work in progress. Mm. We are a nearly 130-year-old church. And after nearly 130 years, to my knowledge, and I've only been here maybe 10 years, um, two weeks ago, we celebrated the installation of our second pastor of our church, for, which makes a an official plurality, uh, my brother, co-laborer, uh, here at Addison Street Community Church, Eric Veeker. So I want to uh, not just celebrate the man, but highlight the occasion once again, because we forget things. So if you were in church a few weeks ago, maybe you weren't, you probably may, maybe forgot. Mm. But I really want to point out that it is worth us dedicating uh, a, a podcast episode to this and hopefully encourage any of our listeners out there who may not be part of our church. Mm. Um, Let me interject real quick. Go. Because the objection might be, how does this relate to, you know, Chicago's gospel podcast? Um, yeah, that's... Would you agree that this is this is an entailment of how the gospel works itself out? Or, to put it another way, that the gospel has always been a possession of the church of God, not just individual Christians. Right. This This is, well, whether it's an entailment, it is a necessary part, and I'll start, I'll answer that potential objection by saying that um, Jesus, in early in his ministry, he looked over the crowds and the multitudes, and what he saw mm. is he saw lots of people that he called sheep that were harassed and helpless mm. without a shepherd. Mm. And then what does he do? He deploys his 12 to go on mission and preach the the gospel of the kingdom mm. to the harassed and the helpless. Mm. And what, what's so amazing about that is that the harassed and helpless who come to saving faith in Jesus become the answer to prayer of pray the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth more labors <laughs> into the harvest. Right. Basically, evangelism, evangelism is the cycle, is what starts the making of disciples, mm. which leads to, hopefully, uh, the engaging in the engendering of biblically qualified leaders in the church who lead the church on mission and the cycle starts over. Mm. So that's my kind of premise. Yeah, right. So 
in the city of Chicago, we have yeah. under 3 million people and Chicago needs shepherds, mm. pastors right. in every neighborhood, every one of our 77 neighborhoods right. and more. Um, so, and I would dare say, uh, and add based on what the apostle Paul says, he says, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling that you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is above all and through all and in all. And then it goes on to say that Jesus Christ, when he had ascended, he gave gifts. And so uh, Addison Street Community Church, as I've been encouraging and beating the drum for months, has been given a gift Mm. in you, Eric, as becoming uh, a pastor of this church. Um, So I want to celebrate that. I want to highlight that. And I want to ask you, you, you became a Christian in 2013. At what point did you sense that this was going to be more than just following Jesus like mm. other faithful followers of Christ, but potentially um, becoming a converted, harassed, and helpless into a harvester mm. and a trainer of harvesters? Yeah. When was that happening for yeah. you? Well, even though I probably couldn't even spell the word church or trinity at the day when I was converted, I did have a um, deep sense that God was at work in the world and in our midst. And I truly felt and experienced the, the new birth, being born again. And at one time having a heart of stone and miraculously now finding that I had a heart of flesh that I, I felt could love people and be loved for the first time in my life. It sounds dramatic, mm. but it's true. Mm-hmm. I felt like a heart of stone had been turned into a heart of flesh by the very hand of God. And within two weeks, my brother, who is uh, two years older than me, started noticing that I had changed quite a bit. And he said that it did not appear to just be behavior modification. Mm. And he became fascinated by this thing that I was doing, which was worshiping this guy they called Jesus Christ at this little church that was near our house. And uh, I shared the gospel with him and he started coming to the church. And two weeks after my conversion, he gave his life to Christ and experienced quite a dramatic conversion wow. himself. So within two weeks, I'd seen that this gospel had an immense power over the souls of men and women um, that did not take a seminary degree or anything like that to figure that out. I just, I saw it. I saw two of my other good friends who, um, were not Christians come to faith within a matter of months. Um, all of this by the power of God's word and, uh, wow. by no means by, you know, whatever I was doing. Or you were still in high school. Correct. So the multiplication power of the gospel and, and the fruits of the gospel were evident in my life early by the grace of God. Let me keep underlining that. Yes. Um, so I think from the get-go, 
I was convinced that this this thing multiplies and we should be in the multiplication business. Huh. Within six months, I, I had been discipled pretty heavily by the youth pastor, Logan Joyce, at the church. And he, at that point, under, you know, pretty um, intense scrutiny, uh, allowed me to preach the Bible, which who knows how that went. I uh, <laughs> praise God that there's no recording of that. <laughs> I was going to say. But uh, it wasn't just a mic handoff. He, he did make sure that what I was saying I was going to teach and preach what was accurate. So I, I had experience early on. For better or for worse, I had a taste of um, of, of word ministry in a formal mm. capacity. I did not know that, that um, part about you. Yeah. And that, that spurred me on quite a bit. Um, and I said, I don't know if anything made sense that came out of my mouth, but uh, I believe in this thing that we call preaching. And I essentially set my face towards learning to be a Bible preacher. And, and so that, a fire was growing, a fire sparked. Correct. That hasn't really stopped for you. Right. I would only say it's it's grown. I think, you know, zeal without knowledge is dangerous. Zeal with knowledge is a powerful combination. And I think I had zeal without a lot of knowledge at that time, although I was seeking knowledge. And that led me to Wheaton College, where I studied the Bible for four years. Mm -hmm. um, that was providential. I didn't know what Christians did or people who wanted to be pastors did uh, for schooling after high school. I truly thought that I was just going to go be some sort of evangelist out of high school and that I, you know, wasn't going to go to school. Uh, I'm glad that God um, put out that fire because I don't think that that would have been a, a, a warming fire. I think that might have been a destructive fire over sure. the long run. So that led me to Wheaton College uh, through the guidance of a few people where I played football and uh, and paired, you know, playing sports with getting a what, what I... Um, proudly think is a world-class education. And um, I was opened to worlds that existed inside the Bible. And I think I was opened up to the world that I lived in through my studies of the scriptures. Yeah. And um, those four years were very uneventful from a, a ministry perspective. Um, I think I was trying to get equipped more than trying to work necessarily after Wheaton, I went off to Cleveland, Ohio, where I did a pastoral mm -hmm. residency for a year and came back to Chicago and um, ended up at Addison Street Community Church, where I've been training to be a pastor under your tutelage for two and a half years. Um, Chicago course. Say something about yeah, that. Yeah, I, I completed um, the Chicago course on preaching, which is um, an expository preaching course. It's in Chicago. Very creative like name. An incubator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I completed the Chicago course on preaching down in Hyde Park, south side of Chicago, over the course of two years, part-time, while I did uh, my pastoral residency here. Mm -hmm. It's a relatively new program that um, I believe in wholeheartedly. I, I really love doing it. I was one of the first people to complete it. Um, so I was a guinea pig of sorts, yeah. uh, probably not a very good guinea pig, but a guinea pig nonetheless. And uh, I went through the eldership development intensive here at Addison Street Community Church, which... Was it intense? It was intense, <laughs> uh, but I'm grateful. Um, 
it's a sobering thing to think about the day when I'll stand before the throne of God to give an account for people. And if you're going to enter a position where you're going to need to give an account for human souls, you better prepare diligently for that. So I think it's been a, a study over the past couple of years with you of a lot of things, but most importantly, I'd say it's uh, not just a crash course, but as good of a course as there is on the importance of ecclesiology, the nature being marks of Christ's bride, which is his church. I think my love for her has grown. Um, I think my understanding of how leaders, deacons, elders, uh, pastors fit uh, within the church, how the mm-hmm. congregation functions within the church. Um, so, good. Yeah. Well, I, I want to say <clears throat> that I mean, anyone could find on our website Eric and preach his, you know, his preaching at our church as a normal part of the meals that we serve up here. Um, he is. He capably handles the word of God, uh, which is one of the key aspects of qualification for the eldership. So not just I, not just me, but others have recognized that. This is not a, a podcast. This is not something to celebrate the man, but we recognize the work of God in people's lives, in the life of our church, and he's using the word through people. And it was Philip Brooks that said that preaching is truth through personality. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's a limited definition, right. um, but... You know, you've proven yourself there. Now, you're aware, Eric, that the Bible does say verses like, let no one look down on your youth. Yeah. And, you know, Paul is double the age of Timothy. Right. Right. right? So, Timothy's relatively young pastor. Are you aware of people that you know of either personally or, say, in the history of the church that became pastors at a relatively young age? Yeah, well, the the famous example in the circles that we run in is H.B. Uh, Charles, who continues to pastor today, who was ordained at the age of 18. Yeah, Jacksonville, and, uh, Florida, yep. Was it E.V. Hill who preached his uh, installation service? Yes, yes. <laughs> if you're in the mood for a great, great sermon, type in, H.B. Charles, Installation Service, E.V. Hill, and you're in for a treat. I mean, it's essentially a biblical theology of God using young people for the ministry of the word. And it's a fascinating study, all to set up the fact that this 18-year-old who has had a very fruitful ministry. I don't know what the early formative years of his ministry was like at 18, 19, 20 years old, or was he younger, 17? Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, something like, regardless, I don't know what that was like, but he, he appears to have not disqualified himself. And uh, that's one example. I mean, I, I do think it's worth pausing for a second to recognize the difference between Paul's culture and ours. Hmm. He had to say, don't despise his youth because they cherished and they valued and they saw old age as blessed by God yeah. and as that which is <laughs> very, very important. We idolize youth. So we might actually do well to say, don't, don't let people despise you as a 75 year old pastor because you're old, which I'm you're saying that's me an... 75 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. So anyone else, uh, church history, Jonathan Edwards, uh, our, our own North American mm. uh, kind of forefather in the faith, I think 19, maybe Yeah, he was associate pastoring yeah. under his grandfather, Solomon Stoddard. Right. 
uh, for C.H. Spurgeon. Yeah, C.H. Spurgeon. Uh, so this is to say I look that, like an old man compared to them. So yes, uh, yeah, in yeah. case you're wondering, I'm 26 years old and 27 in uh, November. And what would you say to somebody who says, well, you know, Timothy was probably around 30 or Jesus didn't start his public ministry till he was 30 or, yeah. um, I mean, does that translate into uh, American cultures or, mm-hmm. or just modern day civilization? Yeah. Well, realistically, um, a lot of churches, I, which I don't think is good, are comfortable laying the title of pastor on uh, young men at the age of 21 out of college mm-hmm. at a relatively high um, frequency. Right. Um, so, again, I'm not saying that's good, but... There are um, exceptions. Right. And it's a case, I think, if I might just add, I think there's a case-by-case certainly basis. So would you say that even there are men who are aged, say they're in their 50s, they're pastors either by vocation or bivocational that shouldn't be pastoring? Is that a possibility? Certainly. Okay. There are young men who shouldn't be pastoring. Yeah, this is true. We need to start, of course, as this is sort of fundamental for you and me. I, I don't want it to seem redundant, but we should start with the qualifications of elders in First Timothy and in Titus, amongst other places, but that's where they're laid down most explicitly. Yeah, and for pastoring in the city, that does the, the qualifications do not change. Correct. Context changes, dynamics change. Mm. And, and Eric had said something, I think, back on the first podcast about pastoring in a city. So in Chicago's gospel podcast, we want to highlight and celebrate that in our little church, it's taken a long time to get to this point of health. Mm. Um, and I just I want to close out by having Eric share with us what he shared uh, with our church a couple weeks ago uh, when he was installed as as pastor of this yeah. church, um, just to close out our time here. Yeah. Uh, but I want to encourage our listeners um, to do what Hebrews 13 says, is to remember those who preach the word of God to you and consider mm. the outcome of their lives and to obey and submit to your elders, not because I have some kind of, um, you know, insecurity problem, but because God said it, your your shepherds of your church have to give an account for your soul. And it's a very serious business that they are doing. But I want to close out our episode uh, now with letting Eric just share from his heart the, the kind of summary of how he's approaching um, this new calling, yeah. uh, this new post in his yeah. life. Go ahead, brother. Well, they were essentially vows. Um, I made formal vows that I was invited to make and joyfully took before I said these seven words, but I, I view them in the category of here's my vow, my commitment to the church. And let me make a shameless plug for vows, especially marriage vows. I, I'm passionate about this. I think the traditional wedding vows for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health are so inspiring because they're the highest standard and the lowest standard. Hmm. The lowest standard, it essentially boils down to this. Just show up. Don't let your heart go after another man or woman. Yes. But it's also the highest standard when your husband's dying of cancer at 37 and it seems Hmm. impossible to hang on to this thing because you're just so depressed or who knows what. Uh, It's the highest standard to say, I'm going to love this person until my final breath. So vows when done well are the base standard 
and as simple as humanly possible. And they're also the most lofty and inspiring things. So I view, you know, pastoral vows or any type of vow to be in the same category. And I hope that there's a flavor of that in these seven words. And you can find those if you'd like to see that on our church's Facebook page. Just scroll through and find May 1st, somewhere in the middle of that uh, um, live stream yeah. recording. You can see Eric yeah. take these vows, which are really quite ordinary right. and extraordinary. Yeah. But then you can also hear Eric share what he's yeah. about to share right now. So, so the seven words... Our Trinity, church, preaching, prayer, sacraments, fellowship, and service. The last five I'm getting pretty much exclusively from Acts chapter 2, where we see the birth of Christ's church. Mm -hmm. But the first two, if, if I had to throw a title on our triune God in one word, I'd say Trinity. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm giving my ser myself first and foremost to... God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, who is the creator and sustainer and redeemer of all things. The second word is church, that Christ, the second person of the Trinity, fully God, fully man, has one bride, and that is his eternal forward, well, his one universal, holy, apostolic church. Uh, he's a one woman man, and I'm giving myself to the universal church, but also to the local outpost here at Addison Street Community Church. Mm -hmm. It's unbiblical to say that I'm a pastor of the universal church or of yeah. any other uh, local church, even if I can see it from my front door, I'm a pastor of this church. That's right. You're not an apostle. Correct. Preaching to, I think in the service, I said, I'm giving myself to preaching Christ crucified in an expository fashion from all of scripture. That's a key, I think, North Star to keeping a church on track is preaching the crucifixion of Christ, which is, you know, a nutshell for the whole gospel. Yes. Uh, from all of scripture, from Amos, from Genesis, from Revelation and Luke, every single book of the Bible. To prayer, there's no way to commune with God other than prayer, uh, that seems underwhelming, but it's it's great. To the sacraments, to the breaking of bread, as they say in Acts 2, to the proper administration of baptism and the Lord's Supper, to hopefully identify those who are truly Christians at the outset in baptism, and to continue to strengthen and identify those who truly belong to Christ uh, in the feast that we call the Lord's Supper. Have you baptized anyone yet? Um, I've helped and, baptize people, but I have not. But the, the officiant. The officiant. You look no. forward to that. I do. Believe me, it's great. Yeah. But you've been in the water with me. It's All right. That's a good thing. Much so I want to baptize my little guy. Hopefully I can baptize some other people before he comes to saving faith. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I pray for his salvation. Keep yeah. going, brother. That was the sacraments. fifth word. Sacraments. Sixth. Fellowship. Our, uh, our next episode about hospitality is, um, so much about fellowship. What a what an amazing thing! The fellowship of the believers, the communion of saints, um, in seventh service. Even though this is sort of an appendix to those four things in Acts two, it actually takes up a lot of airtime uh, throughout the remainder of that chapter, where we see that there are no Christians who are in need because they served one another and they met each other's needs joyfully. They they considered it nothing. And um, so that's the mark of any Christian, but that ought to be the mark of uh, 
a shepherd who follows in the steps of the suffering servant. So mm-hmm. Trinity Church, preaching, prayer, sacraments, fellowship, service. I invited the church to hold my feet to the fire, uh, that all my labors would be under those seven words. And by God's grace, he will preserve me in that direction. Amen. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, Pastor, our brother, Eric Veeker, new elder at Addison Street Community Church. And I'm happy for this occasion. I do also want to mention and recognize the fact that over years we've worked with deacons and trustees and boards. And since I've been here, we've had interns. I want to shout out to guys who probably won't hear this episode, but like Ryan and Kevin, um, Dwayne Somersell, um, Wharton Hertz, and other brothers who have sort of over the years modeled what we have finally come to. Mm -hmm. Thank God for them and for all the saints of Addison Street Community Church. And may the Lord multiply to this church and to the churches in Chicago the blessing of qualified under-shepherds for the glory of God. Thanks for joining the conversation on Chicago's Gospel Podcast. We would love to know how you are interacting with the content here. Feel free to email us at info at ASCCChicago.org. And uh, consider giving us a review wherever you listen to your podcast to find out more about the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ or our church. Do visit us on our website at ASCCChicago.org. And until next time, remember that Christ's unchanging gospel is constantly shaping, molding your life in Chicago or wherever you may be Mm. in our ever-changing city. God bless you.